Welcome to the Culture Coordinator Podcast. This is your host and founder of the Culture Coordinator, Kurt Earl. Today we are talking all about the What Type of Culture Are We assessment. It's the new and improved version of the motivation assessment and provides several new key insights and really helps you discover where you're at in a program in terms of what type of culture you currently have. You're going to like it. Good evening. We're going to get started here and roll through all of the content tonight in regards to the what type of culture survey, I should say assessment, uh, are we, and the assessment that really helps you get an, uh, an idea of where your culture is really at. And one of the things I wanted to start with was just some of the things, opinions and things I've reached out and gotten from you guys and the information you've given me <clears throat> in return. And I've really looked at a lot of things and, and heard, heard some of the feedback and, and done some things in terms of just how do you process and think about things? And so I asked um, on Twitter uh, in some polls and whatnot to kind of get you to respond to the following, right? And um, one of the first ones that I put out there was that coaches need to be great motivators. Strongly agree, strongly disagree, kind of in the middle, where are you at? And most of you, as, as I would assume, would, would say, yeah, coaches need to be great motivators. And that's one of the ideas that as we go along here, I want to kind of push back on and say, do we really need to be great motivators? I have a post that maybe I can put a link um, in the show notes to an article I wrote years back that, that basically is like, I'm not a motivator. That's not my role. And I really think coaches need to understand that and embrace that. <clears throat> what I mean is that I think that just far too many coaches spend time trying to motivate their, their athletes. And I think it's a controversial opinion of sorts because some people think that's like the primary thing you do. But I think trying to motivate your athletes is an utter waste of time. Uh, many coaches take pride in being great motivators. And I think striving to be a great motivator in many ways is a colossal mistake. The reason for that is that motivation by definition is the reason a person has for acting or behaving in a particular way. And so when a coach establishes himself or herself as the reason to choose certain behaviors, he creates a culture in which every member of the program is focused on an audience-dependent motivation. If you're a great motivator as a coach, the odds that your athletes are dependent on your presence to do their best is near 100%. Think about what I'm saying there. And that's a massive problem because ultimately, the only thing you are accomplishing by being a great motivator, quote unquote, a great motivator, is modifying your athlete's behavior when you are present. Your presence is the reward for good behavior, or your approval is the reward for good behavior, and you aren't transforming the way your athletes think. You're merely modifying their behavior. And so when I say I am not a motivator, quote unquote, made motivator, what what I want you to be able to do and say with me is, I am not a motivator. Like, that's not your job. You shouldn't see yourself as a motivator. I think you should see yourself as something bigger than that, stronger than that, something that plays a greater role in the program than merely the motivation. Maybe I shouldn't even say greater. Maybe it's just different role. I want to just point out the fact that fear, shame, and pride are all audience-dependent motivators. 
you have to have an audience by their nature present or one that you're picturing will be present in the future for fear, shame, and pride to be motivating. And athletes motivated by fear, shame, and pride only work hard when their audience, whoever their audience may be, is present. And this audience can be present at the moment or as I alluded to a little bit ago, it can be an audience they're looking forward to, like the fans in the stands or a college coach who is planning to come to their next game and kind of scout them or whoever it might be that could attend later on. And so whether they realize it or not, 99% of the coaches who claim to be great motivators motivate their athletes with some form of fear, shame, and pride. Coaches who are great motivators or think that they're great motivators know how to push buttons and pull levers in their athletes' minds in such a way that at the athletes choose to do their best. Athletes will respond well in the moment to the coach's tactics, but are they, they are 100% dependent on the coach's constant prodding and pushing. Like they can't really do things on their own without that coach being right there to pull those levers. But what happens then to these athletes' work ethic when the coach is not there to push the buttons and pull the levers? Coaches think they have to be great motivators because they have never taken the time to understand where motivation really comes from. And let's just be honest, motivation is fickle, it's fleeting, it's hard to maintain unless you build it on a solid foundation. If you are the foundation for your program's motivation, you as the coach, don't be surprised when your athletes make poor choices in the classroom, in the halls, on the weekends, and whenever you just aren't there. Buildings crumble when motivation, or I'm sorry, buildings crumble when they aren't on a solid foundation in the same way your athlete's motivation will crumble if you are the foundation on which they built their motivation. So coaching, coaches often mix up <clears throat> and conflate, I think, the differences between ambition, motivation, and inspiration. And in doing so, mix up and conflate their role as the culture coordinator. So to really understand what I'm getting at, we need to get some good definitions out there. We must be clear on some specific definitions. So when I talk about ambition, whenever I use that word here going forward, I'm talking about the reason, or maybe the reasons, could be more than one, that a person has for acting or behaving in a particular way. When I talk about motivation, I'm talking about the general desire or willingness of someone to do something. And when I talk about inspiration, I'm talking about a person or thing that incites behavior toward a goal or outcome. <clears throat> so here's maybe just some more simple everyday ways to say it. Ambition is the why power that a person has for the way they act or behave. It's why they choose things. Motivation is the willpower. It's that, that drive inside of them of some that someone has to do something to act a certain way. And inspiration can be an, a person or a thing that reminds you of your why power. <clears throat> Notice that the second set of de definitions is the same as my first definitions, but it's the, the, but the terms why power and willpower have been replaced there to kind of help you see what I'm really getting at. The use of why power and willpower helps to simplify the nuanced differences between ambition and motivation, or at least the differences in the way I want you to be thinking of them for what we're talking about here. 
These distinctions are important because the more significant the Y power, the greater the willpower. With greater Y power, you have greater willpower. When willpower runs out, it's time to, to tap back into your Y power or find a stronger Y power. Ultimately, if you want to increase your athlete's motivation, give them a compelling vision to fulfill, a Y power that excitement excites them. Give them an ambition they can get on board with and inspire them to pursue that ambition. Hopefully you're kind of seeing what I just did there. I made you, as the culture coordinator, merely an inspiration, not a motivator, and certainly not the ambition. Inspirations are nothing more than a reminder of your why power. You got to remind them. That's your job. Remind them of your why power. The more you understand what makes people choose to do hard work and to do the hard work of becoming their very best, the more you will realize that you do not want to be anything more than a reminder of their ambition. You don't want to be the reason they're working hard. So when you become a reminder of your athlete's ambition, you will inspire them and they will be able to choose to work and to act in alignment with your program's definition of success, whether you are physically present or not. So as we move forward through this talk about what sort of culture are we, I want you to be thinking about how do I explicitly teach my athletes how to tap into their why power all day, every day, and how do you position yourself as nothing more than an inspiration? And I think that's a really different train of thought than most coaches are on. Because if we go back to the, the little kind of rating strongly disagree to strongly agree thing I talked about earlier, most coaches on Twitter that follow culture coordinator really feel like you've got to be a great motivator. And I think maybe they mean the same thing I do, but I think we need to make sure we're crystal clear on that because I think it's a mistake to position yourself as a motivator. You need to position yourself as an inspiration as someone who reminds people of what their why power is, what their ambition is. And that ambition fills them up. And the overflow of that is their motivation. They're going to work hard because they are compelled and they want to go get, it, get after whatever it is that is their why power. This is all really important because different why powers, different ambitions lead to different types of cultures. And so to really understand the four types of cultures, what you've really got to start to get your mind around is the fact that each individual on your team has a different why power. But collectively, there's a why power that drives them more than others. And that why power leads to a certain type of culture. I've really tried to break cultures down into four basic types. And as you think about these, the questions to ask yourself are, what type of culture are you currently building? Do you focus on modifying behavior or on transforming motivation? Are you hands-off, allowing your players to lead the way? Or are you intentionally and systematically installing your culture, but building leaders who are carrying it on on their own? So ultimately, like I said, I think there are four types of culture. Each type is stronger and more effective than the preceding type. The first one is what I would call laissez-faire, right? Hands-off. Coach does not intentionally build or direct the culture. And the culture is completely dependent upon the players and the changes or the players that come in and change from year to year. A laissez-faire culture is often led by a coach 
who talks about how we'll be good again in a couple years, or we'll have the type of culture we want in a couple years. We don't have the right kind of kids right now. That's laissez-faire. The next type, the second type is a behavior modification culture. This is where the coach is intentionally intentional about building a culture. The culture is focused primarily on how players behave and not how players think or interpret the events of the season. So it's not about getting them to think differently. It's about getting them to behave a certain way. Expectations are set and enforced primarily through a well-defined set of, of rewards and punishments. It may not be systematically laid out, but it's pretty clear to everybody involved. And then the last thing about behavior modification culture is that this develops athletes who often do the right thing, but they hate doing it. They'll modify their behavior because of the pressure that's on them to not do the wrong thing, but they're not choosing it because they love it, because they like where it's going to take them, because they know it's the, it's the right thing to do to get to where they want to go. So that was behavior modification. Now it's on to uh, audience independent culture. And audience independent culture is one in which the coach is intentional about building coach culture. Okay, so again, there's intentional effort. Um, there, there's intentional effort, but there's also uh, a culture that is focused on teaching players to be motivated now by fear, shame, and pride. And so we aren't just merely modifying behaviors, we are teaching people how to think. And the coach may use fear, shame, and pride negatively or positively, but the players are dependent on an audience or the anticipation of an audience to be motivated. The fun and excitement of playing in big games and winning trophies and championships that will be remembered is primarily the focus of the motiva motivation. This can work really well, but it can also breed ego-driven, selfish athletes who want all of the glory. So again, we've got laissez-faire culture, we've got behavior modification culture, and we've got audience-dependent culture. And then we move on to audience-independent culture. So this is where the coach, again, is intentional about building the culture but the culture is focused on teaching players to be motivated by love for self, love for the game, love for teammates, and love for the team. The coach uses love as a motivator in order to build intrinsic motivation in the heart of the players. Excellence is pursued. It's definitely pursued, but it's positioned as something exciting to pursue within the context of competing for a love of the game, a love of the teammates, and a love of the team. So really understanding the differences between ambition, motivation, and inspiration, and the difference between each of these four cultures is the first step, step towards really discovering what type of culture you have. So do you have a laissez-faire culture where you're hands off and it's just sort of, it is what it is this year, hopefully it's better next year. Are you focused on behavior modification where you've got a system of rewards and punishments in place so that people do what you want, but they really don't like doing it? Is it totally audience dependent focused where you've got to have an audience of some, some kind, either real or perceived or in the future in order for people to be motivated? Or have you really gone to audience independent where it's a love for the game, a love for each other and a love for the team that really drives people? Those are questions you got to ask yourself and they're critically important as you get into this, what type of culture are we assessment? The next little sort of, um, survey I took on Twitter 
asked this as the prompt, athletes who won't work hard and focus aren't lazy. They just lack a compelling reason to do their best. This one really surprised me. A number of coaches disagreed with this. They felt like athletes are lazy. And it's not just they did, that they don't have a compelling reason to do their best. It's that they genuinely don't want to work hard. And so I wanted to really just think about this because I think most people don't understand that if a person, that, that, that the, the health, a healthy teenager, a healthy college kid, a healthy adult, when they're given a compelling, compelling vision to go strive after, they tend to work pretty hard. And it's pretty rare that someone just flat out won't work for something they really want. And now that's where we get into our why power or what I call ambition, okay? And this is where if you're a member, you can now see sort of the, the ambition and the list or the list of ambitions. And an athlete's ambition is the strongest desire they have in competition. competition. It's why they compete, okay? And so if you're looking at the video right now, you can really see, okay, we've got these uh, five different ambitions lined up and we're going to talk about each of those. And so if you're really going to discover what type of culture you have, you have to understand that the cornerstone of every culture is, amb as it is ambition. Or as we labeled it earlier, okay, it's the why power of your culture. Remember, an athlete's ambition is the strongest desire they have to, to be out there, to do what they do, to put in the work, to try their best. And so too often, I think we confuse why power with willpower. Willpower or motivation is a critical component of a great culture, but willpower is the overflow of why power. You can't be highly motivated if you don't have a powerful reason to be motivated. So here's the critical takeaway for you as the culture coordinator. You have to create and cast a vision that is so compelling. It becomes the ambition of your players. You got to give them something big to buy into and that it becomes their why power. And the overflow is willpower or motivation. So goal number one for you as a culture coordinator is getting everyone to buy into the vision of the program. Once they buy in, you can start to serve as a mere inspiration, right? Reminding them of their why power again and again, whenever they seem like they need it and proactively, even when they don't quite need it yet. But before you can cast a compelling vision, you need to understand your team's current ambition because ambition is the cornerstone of your culture. In that cornerstone, you get your first glimpse of what type of culture you currently have, which of our four types. So at the risk of really just oversimplifying the human condition, I will say that all humans naturally desire two things, to be praised and admired, and then to be appreciated, kind of three things, but to be praised and admired and appreciated. Therefore, as humans progress throughout life, they develop particular ambitions that help them fulfill their desires to be praised and appreciated. Each of your athletes, brings their ambitions to your programs and these ambitions interact and meld together to form your culture. Some athletes like your seniors or starters or players with prominent personalities have a disproportionate influence on your culture, but everybody's bringing something to it, right? And so the ambitions your athletes bring 
to your culture are directly related to their past experiences and influences. And let me just kind of outline what I mean here, okay? So our five ambitions are image, glory, achievement, belonging, and success. If an athlete's top ambition is image, they desire to protect themselves from shame and embarrassment or letting others down. If their top ambition is glory, they desire to be admired for what they have accomplished. If their top ambition is achievement, they desire to accomplish their goals because it feels good to obtain them. If they desire belonging, care, I'm sorry, if their ambition is belonging, they desire to belong and contribute to something bigger than themselves. If their desire, I'm sorry, their ambition is success, then their desire is to make sacrifices and contribute to the program's success. Now, let me just give you a little flavor of what I mean when I say a, a, an athlete's background really comes into play here and it, it brings out their ambition. So I've got some ways to say that. Ruled by fear, some of your athletes desire to protect their image more than they seek praise. Made to believe praise from others is the highest accomplishment of humanity. Some of your athletes desire glory above all else. Seeing they receive the most praise when they accomplish specific standards, some of your athletes desire to achieve as much as possible. Having discovered that the best way to receive praise and be appreciated is to be part of something bigger than themselves, some of your athletes desire to belong and contribute to a team. Feeling the most fulfilled when they commit to achieving something greater than themselves, some of your athletes desire to make sacrifices and contribute to the team's success. So hopefully you're seeing and you're putting together the dots. It's maybe a little easier if you're a member and you can see the screen that I'm sharing with the outline of all the different ambitions. Hopefully you're putting together this, this reality that we all bring certain background and influences to the table, and that really impacts our ambition. And then that all gets stirred into a pot and starts to become your culture of your program. And you've got to know these things. Otherwise, <clears throat> you're flying blind into some pretty significantly dense fog of the human condition, right? Like it's a big deal. And we need to take that seriously. And I would suggest, as we all know, this is harder than ever for coaches. And so we've got to make sure we're we're thinking about these things. And of course, being a member with the culture coordinator and having access to what type of culture are we, uh, assessment and discussion guides is a huge part of that. That's a big part of, of what we provide is helping you get to the bottom of some of these things. Okay, so building a championship culture then is all about desire, which I refer to as ambition. The key is to attract and grow athletes who become entirely like-minded through your leadership and their leadership of each other. There are multiple ways to do this, and you, as the culture coordinator of your program, must be yourself. You do you, right, as they say, and I think it's important to understand Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Tom, the legend Tom Osborne are all very different people and have all been incredibly successful at building a championship culture where everybody is on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish and getting everybody to have the same ambition. You must never use all of this insight. This is really important. You must never use all of this insight for building your little kingdom. It's not about you, right? 
the insight you gain from the what type of culture are we assessment and the discussions that can go with it must always use be used to develop empathy in your own heart and a profound love and compassion for your players. Like the goal is to get to know your people so you can care about them more deeply, not so you can take this assessment and beat them over the head with it and show them how <clears throat> they are falling short. That's fear, shame, and pride if you don't aren't catching that, right? Okay. So furthermore, all of this, all of the results and things you get with this assessment is intended to be the tool for your athletes or a tool that your athletes can use to self-assess and grow. So you, as the culture coordinator, can also self-assess and grow and so that you can continue to, to, to serve as mere inspiration, not the motivation and certainly not the ambition. The point here is that this is supposed to be a set of tools that helps you really unlock the potential your program has by knowing people well, by helping them know themselves better, by helping them see themselves in the mirror a little better, and then inspiring them to go deeper and go further and really become something that they never could have become individually and that they're all bought into the same ambition, the same why power that overflows into their willpower. So as we move forward here, then the next thing we want to really talk about then is the seven levels of motivation. And I've alluded to them some because you can't help but discuss them some as you kind of talk about these things. So the seven levels of motivation uh, are, are really this idea that willpower is the natural overflow of why power, right? So you got your ambitions and whatever your ambition is, it's only going to overflow into willpower that sort of matches it. And again, members, you can see the video here. The gray colored things are all behavior modification type of culture stuff. And you can see that I've got um, image um, and fear and shame and self-sabotagers and excuse makers all put together in the gray. They're, they're highlighted in gray because that's that kind of culture. And then you can see the other three or other two cultures as well. It all fits together in ways that really give you insights into your program. So remember, it's, it's the willpower. It's the overflow. It's not the why power. And I want to just point out right off the top that I think there's three broad categories of motivators. There's the behavior modifying type motivators, right? And where there must be rewards and punishments in place to be motivated. Then there's the audience dependent, where you, have, where you have to have that audience either real or imagined to be motivated. Then there's audience independent. Sometimes now that's uh, referred to as extrinsic, intrinsic, where there's no audience is needed to be motivated. So here's how this works. And I'll just kind of go through these real quick so you can kind of see them. But you know, if you're motivated by fear, you work with a purpose to avoid negative consequences or letting others down. If you're motivated by shame, you work with a purpose to avoid getting embarrassed. Similar but different. And not all that different is the next one. Fear, shame, and pride. If it's pride you're motivated by, you work with a purpose to bring glory to self or the team. Fear, shame, and pride are kind of three cousins or kids in the same family. Okay, they, They're all rooted in the same thing, and that's that's, it's all about you, whether you're just trying to protect yourself or whether you're trying to show off and make it about you. It's all about you. Athletes motivated by love for self work with a purpose to achieve their goals. Athletes motivated by love for the sport work with a purpose because they enjoy doing the work required 
to be good at their sport. This was me for sure, man. I love film. I love film study. I used to love coming in Monday mornings in college, win, lose, or draw, 8 a.m., offensive coordinator's office, just doing the work, right? Some days that didn't go well for me. Some days it went real well. Those were fun. Sometimes not so much, but I loved it either way, right? Okay. Then if you're motivated by your love for your teammates, you work with a purpose with some teammates to help them achieve their goals. I certainly loved some of my teammates dearly and really wanted to see them succeed. And then love for the team. I think this is the one that can be so hard to get someone to, even people like us who grew up to be coaches and really are all about the team their whole lives and have learned that I'm a coach's kid. This was drilled into me from a young age. Work, people who are motivated by love for the team work with a purpose with teammates to achieve the team's goals. I think if I look back, there's too many times when I wasn't really about the team's goals, right? I was about my goals. It's sad to admit, but it's true. And we, we have that tough job as culture coordinators to get people over that edge, to get them to the point where they really are about a love for the team. But that's their willpower. That's only going to be their willpower if their why power is, um, I want to make a desire, or I desire to make a difference and contribute to the program success. You got to build the desire, the why power in them first. Okay, let's wrap up this session just talking a little bit here about mindset. This is a, a really new idea that I'm, I'm investigating and, and digging into because I see it being sort of the new frontier in my own program. Excuse me, I get a quick drink of water. A new, the new frontier in my own program. And the thing that I think I see more and more coaches struggling with. I think I talk about mindset more with my other coaches as an AD and, as, and with my assistant coaches as the head football coach. I think I hear more about mindset as I talk with you guys and talk with different clients around the country. Mindset to me is the new frontier. And I think it's um, elusive. And I think I'm just scratching the surface, but I want to pass on where I'm at so far to you guys. So an athlete's mindset is their established set of attitudes about who they are and what they, they are capable of. It's how they think during competition. Okay, so one thing I realized this year <clears throat> was I think we had a lot of young men on our football team that genuinely were in the right spaces in terms of ambition and motivation. But when we got out on the field, we struggled to have the mindset. And I realized, oh, we've got, we've got buy-in. We've got a desire to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. We've got a desire to love our brothers by going out and just competing uh, ferociously together but we're struggling to really get our minds where they need to be in the game. And so through some conversations with other coaches in our building and our assistant coaches and doing a lot of reading and thinking, this is kind of where I'm at on mindset. So again, it's their established set of attitudes about who they are and what they are capable of. It's how they think during competition. So the first one is self-sabotagers. They allow anxiety, self-doubt, or the fear of letting others down to snowball into crippling negative self-talk, and it dramatically impedes their, in their performance. They believe they have a fixed set of abilities and cannot always improve. And you've also got excuse makers. They refuse to accept responsibility for their mistakes or lack of production, blaming others, complaining about their circumstances, and defending why they aren't able to get it done. Again, if you're watching the video here, guys, you can see, uh, members, if you're watching the video, you can see kind of how I've color-coded all this to fit together, right? 
it makes sense that you're an excuse maker because you're afraid of getting embarrassed because your highest ambition is just image. And <clears throat> you're never going to evolve past that if that's where you're at. And again, when you if you spot this in your athletes, and if you're a member and you give the what type of culture are we assessment, and you see an athlete who this is where they're at, that should breed empathy and a love for them, a desire to care for them and, and sort of shepherd them along, disciple them along onto deeper thoughts, okay? Okay, back to the types of mindsets. The next one is Lone Rangers. They enjoy working alone and don't need a large crowd of support. They question the process and take time to fully trust a coach and teammates. They're not gonna just jump in and buy in right away. They are constant reflecting on, ref, constantly reflecting on learnings from the past, okay? Um, and again, members look at the video, pay attention to the color coordination, right? It all kind of fits together. Gamers is my next mindset. They love to play the sport day and night. They have a youthful and childlike enjoyment of the sport. This was something, you know, I had, I think probably if you're listening, you had this or still have it at one point. Um, and sometimes the seriousness of varsity or college or whatever it was kind of quelch that fire right and that's too bad it's something we should keep our minds on or our eyes on as coaches build let those gamers play man let them have fun teach them how to practice better right <laughs> but there there's a there's a certain sense of just turn them loose right idealist is our next mindset they are perfectionists in a good way i don't mean that as a negative thing here they are detail oriented and enjoy practicing until they get it right they have a competitive confidence visualize success and love the process but they're still kind of individual, still more about achieving. They may not be all about others yet. And that's that last mindset that we have, which is our campaigners. They're charismatic and humorous, and they're good at communication. They bring positive energy and, they, and an unshakable confidence to every circumstance. They bring out the best in others and compel others to fight to the finish. Campaigners have tremendous faith in the truth that the team can always get better. It's not just about me getting better about all of us getting better. So I think it's important, especially members that are on the video call and can really see how it all fits together. It's important to see that these things are all linked, that your mindset is sort of got a glass ceiling based on what your motivation is. And your motivation has a glass ceiling based on what your ambition is. Ambition is the key. The why power is what we really need to focus on. The willpower will overflow. And when you've got the right ambition and the right motivation, you can be trained to get to the right mindset. And training kids that have the right ambition and the right motivation to get to the right mindset is, is a huge emphasis in my program this year because I think we got a lot of really good guys that I really love and care about that just need to grow in that and will be in a great place. And I think a lot of, I think we're, we're, I'm excited to see what that's gonna look like because we, we really identified that as a place we wanna grow and get better. And uh, I'm excited to pass that along to you guys as well as you listen to it and think through some of this stuff. So I'm going to stop there, call that uh, good for this particular part of the video and for this podcast. This will be the podcast portion. And then we're going to move on into some other things that's for members only content that really gets into how to do this. What type of culture are we? So I hope this was helpful to all of you. Um, if you want to know more, culturecoordinator.com. You know, if you go to culturecoordinator.com forward slash join, you can look at how it's just $60 a year to gain access to the what type of culture are we assessment and discussion guides and a ton more. It's these monthly coaching sessions 
that uh, that we do where you really get to learn how to make the most of the resources and have the resources, of course, at your fingertips, but get trained up in how to use them as well. So appreciate you guys. Hope this was helpful to all of you members and non-members alike. And uh, look forward to talking more with all of you in the future. Take care, guys. The What Type of Culture Are We assessment is one of the cornerstone pieces of a culture coordinator membership. And so if you want to learn more about this, I encourage you to go to culturecoordinator.com forward slash join and learn how I coach you every month if you're a member to really implement this and to implement so many more resources each and every month throughout the year. Have a great day, guys.